This week's episode is Bruna Kajir. I was very excited to have her on. I tried to contain that. I'm not sure I managed it, but you'll see. She's a three-time world champion. She's a poster girl for women's kiteboarding. And she was the first woman to land a backside 315, a double handle pass. Something that has eluded every other female on earth. So, Bruna, it's a bit of an honour to have you on. Welcome to Videos of Influence. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You said that stomping that backside 315 was a process that went beyond being Bruna, the pro kiter. You said it was personal. Um, did you did you then feel a sense of personal relief having landed it? Oh, for sure. That thing was, like, haunting me. You know, the, it came as an idea and I felt like that I had no other choice after I had that idea to just do it. And I doubted myself so many times, not only as like an athlete, like, am I going to be able to, but also like, do I have as a person, you know, like the other parts is, do I have the endurance to do it? Do I even like, you know, am I going to persevere through this? And it, it just, I just took it so personal and. I think in kite in general, I take things so personally. If I can't ride it uh, or if I can't like, do a trick that I, I'm trying, I, I can be pretty harsh and very critical. So it was taking my sleep for sure. Let's have some music. Um, your first video is Nigel Houston's Till Death that came out in 2018. Why did you pick this video? I just love that video. I know I, I've been recently introduced to skating by a friend that skates. And um, I started watching and researching and then I came across this video and it just blew my mind. Just that sport in general, I think, makes me feel such a pussy guiding. <laughs> I'm like, okay, these people are like throwing down and like killing themselves. There's some gnarly hits, but at the same time, there's so much style and this sense of effortless uh, like moves that I feel it's so important for athletes in any sport. If you make something that hard and that complicated and something that you have to commit so bad to it, because if you crash, you're going to like kill yourself, look easy and so fluid and so stylish. For me, it's the... Um, it's as good as a professional athlete can be more than, you know, titles, etc. And I just, it just reminds me a lot of LA too. Um, you know, like the time that I spend there, I haven't been able to go back since the pandemic. And I don't know, like that hip hop, that layback type of hip hop really reminds me of that. I just love that video. You ready? You ready? Uh, uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this So I had to grind like that, to shine like this In a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit In the back of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist See my dreams unfold, 
nightmares come true It was time to marry the game and I said yeah I do If you want it you gotta see it with a clear eye view Got shorty she try and bless me like I said I'd chew Like a nigga sneeze, nigga please for them trick to squeeze I'm getting cream, never let them hoes get in between Or what we started, little nigga but I'm lying hearted They love me when I was stuck and they hate it when I departed I go and get it regardless, draw it like I'm an artist No crawling, went straight to walking with foreigns In my garages or foreign bitches menaging Fucking sucking and swallowing anything for a dollar They tell me get him, I got him, got him I did it without an album I did shit with Mariah Lil' nigga, I'm on fire Icy as a hockey ring, Philly nigga, I'm flyer When I bought the Rolls Royce, they thought it was lease Then I bought that new Ferrari, hey, the rest in peace Hey, the rest in peace, rest in peace to the parking lot Phantom so big, can't even fit in the parking spot You ain't talking about my niggas, then what you talking about? Gangsters move in silence, nigga, and I don't talk a lot I don't say a word, I don't say a word Was on my grind and now I got what I deserve Fuck, nigga, hold up, wait a minute Y'all thought I was finished When I bought the ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was rented Flexing on these niggas, I'm like Papa on the spinach Double M, yeah, that's my team, Rose, hey, the captain, I'm lieutenant If you ain't about that murder game, then pussy nigga shut up If you dip me in your ass, I get your pussy ass stuck up When you touch down in my hood, know that tour life ain't good Catch me down in M.I.A. And that heat game on wood With that Puma life on my feet, like that little engine I could Boy, I slide down in your block, bike on 12 o'clock And they be throwing deuces on the same nigga they watch And I'm the king of my city, cause I'm still calling them shots And these lanes talking that bullshit, the same niggas that flop I'm the same nigga from first street with them that braids that lock the same nigga that came up and I had to wait for my spot And these niggas hating on me, hoes waiting on me Still on that hood shit, my Rolls Royce on E They gon' remember me, I say remember me So much money, all your friends turn to your enemies And when this beef, I turn my enemies to memories With them bricks, they go for 40, ain't no 10 to key Hold up, broke nigga turn rich, love the game like Mitch And if I leave, they ain't dumb pretty hoes gon' still suck my dick It was something about that rollie First touch my wrist, had me feeling like that dope boy when he first touched that brick, I'm gone. So that song, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill, um, that starts with Nigel lying in pools of blood. Um, <laughs> so he knows something about putting it all on the line, as you said. I reckon those shots, though, I just watched it again. I've watched it a lot when it came out. I just watched it again before coming to record this with you. And watch now, I was like, hang on. So to get those shots, and it's really up close in the pool of blood, he must have fallen, and then the cameraman either <laughs> either ran over and said, don't get up, we need this, this is the shot, this is going to be incredible, or 
they helped him up, make sure it was okay, and then got him to lie back down. And that makes me, I don't know, do you, yeah, how do you think that would have, would have come about? It does seem a bit odd. Yeah, I, I almost thought they, they recreated, because I know that happened, but um, maybe I, I had the feeling they recreated, because it feels like you never have that type of lineup when something like that happens. Like, people panic, you know, you forget about the camera, and you're not looking at those, like, such detailed artistic shots of of it but um yeah i also thought it was odd but at the same time it could be be possible because you know i i know that they're always with film crew all the time so and and i mean i think the title of that song has you know fits so perfectly like dreams and nightmares it's i relate to that so much especially like trying the backside room five for instance it's like a dream but it so easily becomes a nightmare and it's that, like, sometimes the split-second difference between, you know, reaching a dream or just going down. Yeah. You said earlier that there were times trying for that 315 where you thought that it wasn't possible. Um, and you've also had some gnarly injuries too, your meniscus and your right knee being the most niggly, it would seem. Have there been any other moments in your career so far where it's felt like, things weren't possible like it wasn't going to continue to happen or has there always been a sense of opportunity around the corner like the next comp or the next the next win no i feel like the backside room five was the like most strong um experience i've i went through that he actually felt like it wasn't possible that was it because towards my career like looking back at my career i had quite a lot of injuries i had an acl reconstruction on my right knee and then I had a meniscus tear and reconstruction on, of that as well and then I had a freak accident on my left knee during a competition where this surfboard just slid open my knee and um, I have like this huge scar it was a gnarly accident too so I had so many setbacks but throughout all of those I just saw them as you know something good like silver line there's a silver line to this and just the possibility to improve and I think that's my attitude towards life in many situations so for me it's always like okay I'm gonna come back stronger and I never doubt it I'll come back or if that 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 would happen you know but for the backside through and five I questioned my I doubted myself a lot which was very hard I think was the hardest part of the process I doubted myself so much because I kind of like set myself a time where I wanted to do it because, you know, with the competitions, we're traveling so much and photo shoots and stuff. So it was hard for me to have blocks of time that I could train for it. And in Brazil, so it was like a very short type of window. And on those two months, I had to fly out like maybe four times to do things, but four times in two months, it's okay. And I'm like, okay, it has to be now. Otherwise, after that, like the wind stops and I have this and I have that and it's a project that I'm going to have to leave it for next year. So having to, you know, accomplish that within a set set amount of time put a lot of pressure on me. So I went, now looking back, I went too strong into it and I basically like ran myself down and like I was sore and hurting just everywhere. I would literally go to bed with like 
ice and like heat somewhere and ice somewhere like I was so skinny then like I wasn't physically fit to do it too like I look back at the videos and I'm like oh my god how did I pull that off but um I think it was a time frame that made it so like you know made me doubt myself so much yeah and it must have been so hard because you didn't you know no one else was going for it either it was groundbreaking no one had ever done it before no one was really wanting to do it because it's it was such a big leap um was there anyone in particular that was motivating you and supporting you through all that struggle like everyone like but basically my family was very present although they don't understand anything about kiting like my mom flew there to like kite and have a holiday and she ended up just like you know, helping me with things. Like, she would kite us up, but her main goal of the day was make sure I was good and I was motivated and and, and all of that. So my, my friends, too, like the girls. I remember the girls at the time, like, Junea was there as a Brazilian writer. She doesn't compete anymore, but she's a good friend. And I had Therese Tabel was there. And I remember them, like, giving me quite a lot of support, like, oh, my God, you need to do this. And so... I like the Kai community in general really helped me. Alex Pastor was was also helping me and Jerome Clutens was also there. And, you know, having your, your friends support you means a lot. Presumably Alex and Jerome would have been giving you advice off the back of both of them being able to do that trick and having been through that journey of failure to success before. Um, but I've always wondered... Is there anything that you would advise other women trying to add an, an additional rotation that uh, are there any bits of advice that they, they didn't give you that you would give to upcoming female riders? That's something like I got asked quite a lot. And for me, the process was so personal that I don't know if the things that work for me actually work for other people because I have a very specific way of doing tricks and to pass the bar and things like that. But I remember the boys giving me advice and till today, like their advice is just, although I really appreciate their, (laughs) their support and they're like, okay, you can do this. Usually their advice isn't like the best. They're just like, you just have to go for it. Just spin. Like you, like no joke. Any trick I'll ask, ninety percent of men will be like, "You just have to spin faster and just go, just go for it, just spin. You'll be fine. Just pull the bar and spin." And I'm like, "Okay, that, that you know, if it was that simple." But for me, um, the biggest advice I can give is basically close to what the boy said. But you just need to go like double as fast as like you think you need to be going so just go double the speed that you think you need to be going and then just you have you have to 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 go big like you have to leave the water because a lot of people can do them little but you need to learn them big because you have to fine-tune it until you manage to have the technique to do it that little you know so for me it was it was kind of like that like and then like little things like when you grab the bar again, like as you're passing, like the first time, like I was already like thinking, because when you do a, ba- a basic backside three, one, two, and three, you never, hardly ever go for the bar again. 
So a lot of people will go, they'll do a Blanchard 3, and then they'll look to see if they have time to know, to go. Like, the ones I land, I just took off, spinning the, the backside 313, like, already, like, I had no idea how big I was. Like, you have an idea because of, you do it so many times, you kind of figure it out how high you are, but... As I was spinning, like, the first 180, my I was already, like, reaching for the bar, like, in my mind, like, reaching and then going again. I, I did not see, like, uh, do I have time? How high am I? You know, and et cetera. So was it a, would you say it was like a muscle memory thing that developed as you tried and tried that eventually enabled you to do it? Um, for sure, I really believe in muscle memory and, you know, just your body, um, thriving on a certain movement. When you start a new movement, it feels so awkward and uncoordinated and more and more, the more you do it, the more like specific and the faster you get and more the coordination you get and all of that. So I feel like that for sure worked. And also, for me, it had a lot to do with just being comfortable. Because at the beginning, just like the higher pop would like scare me and then spinning and like back edging into it scare me. And just, it's just a different size of, of trick and speed and wipeout. So it's just being comfortable to, I think, those, those aspects. Let's have your second song. It's from John Florence's A View from a Blue Moon. It came out in 2015. It was his major release. Um, Feature-length film, highly polished. Um, why have you picked this one in particular from his catalogue? Um, I love all of John John's stuff. And I think he always, always, always have like such a good taste in music. And I picked out, I have the whole, like, View from the Blue Moon playlist on my Spotify, and I play, like, till today, like, a lot. But um, I picked that one because I really like that part, being a freestyler, like, the airs, they are, like, on West Oz on a windy day. And it's not the most beautiful part, but it really blew my mind, like, the, the way they were tricking and the height that they were getting. And I really liked Matt Meola, too, and the other people that... We're surfing with him. And um, I I just, that, that song, like, it's just voices. It's like weird noises and not even words. It's just like boop, boop, boop. And I don't know, it just makes me happy. Just It's just a funny thing. Sometimes I try to, like, sing along. You can't really sing along, but I try to mimic it. And I just always have a laugh with it, too. Embarrassingly, I know exactly what you mean about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, as I'm telling you this, as I did this little sound, I'm like, okay, no, I shouldn't have done that. It's for private time.
So although we're living through a bit of a Instagram clip, real short form era, I still feel like videos play a really important part um, in kiting and getting people motivated and inspired to go and ride. Have you got any video plans for the future? Yeah, that's a that's a good one though because I totally agree with you. Like at the beginning of my career, I done so many videos where I done like were more than that that I really liked it. It was in Tarifa. It was talking a lot about about female kiteboarding and um and other ones too, but I always I myself feel so inspired by videos because you have the time to actually show a whole idea or a whole story behind it. 
And if you link it well, it's something that leaves a mark on people rather than a quick Instagram. We're so used to this like short gratification, seeing like a clip and our attention spans like so short. Even mine these days, like when I see a video on Instagram that has an intro, I'm like skipping it. Yeah. But although I'm a big believer when the video comes out, like I, I'm, I sit down and I give my time to it, you know, it's like a whole process for me. And the same as a chat, like we're talking now and this gives like, I think like a real conversation and like things that actually make changes or inspire, they, they need, their, they need time. And that's um, one of the things that I've been battling with because, you know, um, with between sponsorship um, schedules and competitions, I haven't really had time to like do a cool project. And it's something that I've done so many times when I used to like have more time at the beginning. And I would love to, as for now, I have nothing planned, but it's definitely something I like to do. Yeah, I hope we see a bit of a shift towards longer form stuff. And to be honest, I think the uh, pandemic might cause that. I reckon it's been a chance to all take a look at ourselves and what's happening. And everyone knows that those clips are just so temporary. And yeah, and that you are more inspired by the longer form stuff. So yeah, I, I hope brands can see that and put that into action. I think we will see it. Yeah, and and I that what you mentioned about brands, it's also an important part of it because, you know, it it hasn't been as recognized as it could, you know, like the long the longer videos and the video projects. Um, I feel like because um, internet, like what well, whatever we get on the internet is so short lived. Sometimes like people put a lot of effort into a video, and I've heard from my brands at least, and then. It's relevant for about two weeks and then it got it gets lost on, you know, Google search or all of those things. Like it's not relevant anymore and it's gone. And there was so much effort into it, unless it's something epic that actually stays and and lives through. But um, then they weren't very keen on making videos or giving budgets for longer videos they are more keen on Instagram following, how many likes you got, how many comments you got. And in the end, that shapes up what kind of content the writers put out. You know, I feel that for myself, too. So do you think if we're going to see change, it would have to be from the brands first? I, um, not, not first, because I feel like this needs to, whatever comes naturally from the writers, either if it's a competition format or a way of writing or an idea i think it has to come from the core which is the writers but i feel a lot of the writers i know have cool ideas they they want to do that and it's close to their heart but they might not get the budget or they might not get the recognition you know they're trying to please their sponsors and they uh, end up taking a different road just because that's what's mo most value on their brand yeah yeah okay well for your next song we're going to zoom back to 2013 when uh longer video parts were the norm uh the video you've chosen is carissa moore's part from leave a message um her part is epic 
it so stands out her writing's so strong and so fluid it's beautiful to watch um i've probably just stolen your answer sorry um why why (laughs) have you picked this bit yeah but you you described her perfectly i mean i'm a big fan of carissa more i love her surfing but that video like as we were talking about that video left a message on me like such a big one like i've watched that part so many times where it inspired i think i conquered a lot of things in my kiteboarding career by watching her part because i never thought a girl could ride could surf like that i had i had never seen it and when i saw it i was like blown away and she proved that you know all of the amazing qualities that you could have as a female athlete and how powerful and fluid and for me at that part at that time was just it you know and that inspired me to you know go pursue my things you had such play such a big role and hopefully what i did would inspire other people so like videos for me are such a big part of of my development as an athlete and she helped me a lot with 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 that part
So Carissa Moore's been quite outspoken about the pressures on women surrounding sponsorships, in particular the way that a man can be known purely for their riding, whereas she feels like women need to be real good riders, but then they also really need to be blonde bikini babes if they're to be really successful in the sport. Do you feel like it's the same in kiting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why also Carissa is such um, a role model for me in sports because she doesn't she she didn't let herself be shaped by the industry or what what you know it was expected of her. Like as a surfer, like be lean, wear like very little bikini bottoms and be ripping. She's like who she is, and she shines so much for her personality and such a bright person and i feel like in a lot of sports that became the rule where okay if you're good yeah you have recognition i know so many good female athletes that are blonde bikini babes but um i see a lot of blonde bikini babes that have no riding get a lot like almost the same as good athletes and i that's something that frustrates me a lot just in general not even as a female only like uh, only the aspect of that but i missed the time where when i started that just being a great athlete and being the best out there was enough you know to secure you a career and sponsorships and that was the most important thing and today i feel like you you it's not only about being the best or you know putting a sick writing out there you have to be socially uh, like media uh, social media relevant you have to be active on it create little contents post cute pictures blah, blah blah and all of this stuff that comes with it that in a way for me takes away from the you know sports person behind it and i don't know like i feel a little to to be totally honest with you, I feel a little sold out on that one too. Like I I allow the industry to shape how I behave these days because if you know me personally, I'm someone that forgets the phone and not about I'm I'm about living the experience. If I go out there, I'm like so in tune with nature and my writing and so focused. I think that's what helped me uh, become the the athlete I am today. But I, if I can go to the beach and I'll take my phone, I will 100% of the times because I'm just there. But, you know, I know it's important to take a picture before I go in the water or after or engage with, with my audience so people can see how's the session, what I'm doing, take some nice pictures, you know, show the the product for for that. But my essence isn't that. Like, if I could just go out there, freaking, like, rip, train my ass out, and then come to events and just show the best tricks ever and have everything that I have now on sponsorship deals, I will take the second choice, like, no doubt. I'm quite surprised, uh, yeah, surprised and saddened to hear you say that things have got worse for you then, essentially, if, you know, years ago you... Um, could be known purely for your riding and sort of the effect of social media has been um, that, you know, that there is this pressure on you. That seems a great shame. I wonder, though, if 
you know things have changed this way whether there's room for more change going forward how do you reckon that would look though would it be from what what would be a significant change in kiting for you would it would it be equal pay for um the gka freestyle podium places equal to the men yeah just to go back on on the comment you did i mean i like i i don't think things got worse for me like in i'm like i'm so happy where i am today and the evolution i'm so grateful for everything that i have like in any way i resent like what the change that happened you know and i've adapted to it but i feel like and i will keep adapting because i just love i love the hustle too you know like i just love to be trying new things and improving myself and growing in any way i can but i just feel like the the way i used to write before when kiting had started and i was competing and before the social media boom was more in line with my core essence you know it was a it was much uh, more fluid for me to to be that way these days like it's i have to get myself out of my comfort zone in order to to be but being out of your comfort zone isn't a bad thing either and in like when you talk about going forward i really think like equal pay is something that it's vital for a sport at the moment like all most sports are there like surfing even like the sports that we look up to like surfing skating and um i don't see there's such long debates about it and you know i had really long debates with close friends of mine with people from the industry about this and it's i, I don't want to be here like telling oh because of this and we should do this but i just feel like I don't it's just so clear to me that that's the way we have to go and I'm not I'm not a big arguer or you know I don't like to go into crazy debates but I my opinion is that that's the next step for kiteboarding yeah um we don't have to delve too much deeper if you don't want on this topic but I've always wondered what the justification is at the moment for for it being not equal pay what's the you know how do they how is that explained that they explain by saying that there's more male riders and therefore their competition is harder and the day that we have the same amount of girls competing as the boys and we have to work as hard you know to like go through a heat then then we should deserve being equal pay but they don't take in consideration that there's a culture like why we are in the situation where we have less women than men competing like there's a cultural thing that came from the past and as long as we feed this idea things will not change like change has to come from us to then see a change in numbers, to then see a change in growth. You can come from like a male dominant industry for years and years in sports in general and then expect to have the same amount of women as as men, you know, all of a sudden. That's why this needs to be nature and women need to have their right space in the in the sport and be giving this credit to to be able to grow. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big part of, 
your legacy and this year with Anjali Buyol being in the King of the Air and um, wowing everyone, essentially, I reckon the momentum is there for for, um, for yeah, women to reach the, the volumes that, yeah, the GKA are going to require. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed. I, I think it can, I think it's all possible. Yeah, me too. I feel the momentum is great and other industries are showing us too that that's the way to go and hopefully we'll we'll get there. Cool. Let's have another song. Uh, you've chosen Autofocus from 2005, shot and edited by Elliot LeBeau. However, you've picked the uh, Dre section that's on YouTube. It actually has a different song to what was on the original DVD. So this one's the Gangstar uh, work tune, which fits perfectly. I think it probably should have been on the DVD, to be honest. Um, what... I never had the DVD. I always watch it, on, like his section yeah. on YouTube. So I watched on. <laughs> yeah, well, Sam Light picked um, that that exact same video too, and I can definitely see why. Um, what is it about Dre's writing that you like so much? Uh, Dre was my biggest influence when I started freestyle, like. By far, you know, um, when I got to, I was in Brazil, like doing jumps and board offs and I moved to Hawaii because I love kiteboarding so much and had a gap year. So I went there, I come to kite beach and I see something that just blew my mind. I've never seen anything like it, like between Dre and Elliot and Moe and um, Lou Wayman and those boys, like the kite like the Kai Beach boys from Maui, kite, and they were killing themselves. They were doing things back then that we don't have the balls to do today, you know? The crashes, like the pulley bars and the kite loops that they were doing then and the unhook stuff that they were doing. It was so gnarly. It was so impressive that I instantly got hooked on it. So um, Dre... For me, he has, like, the best style in kiteboarding. Like, I love the way the steez that he puts into it. And, you know, the it's like that Antigua um, style and easygoing mix with some really hard, powerful tricks. But he makes it look so easy and, you know, just so, yeah, I, I just love it. And he's been such a big influence for me. And I, I really like that song. I think it fits perfect for for that section, like you said. And I never had the DVD, so I always um, look for videos on YouTube. And that one is like one that I I really enjoyed watching many times. So. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Oh. Hey yo, I'm gonna be on Tidda. That's all my eyes can see. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Now I'ma start collecting props, connecting plots, networking like a conference. Cause the nonsense is yet to stop. Jake, shake me down. Haters wanna take me down, break me down, clap. All they heard was a sound. Yo, I scoped it out. I took your weak dream and choked it out. Your bitch don't really got no ass. She just poked it out on the D lo I'm saying you versus me, yo. We can do this shit right here in front of your people. See, time is money, kid, and BS walks. And to me, it's funny, kid, when you meet heads talk. I see fence talk. They wanna dig up the dirt, son. Is it me they hawk? Cause I be putting in work, son. Gonna be on tit up. 
that's all my eyes can see Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly I've been lame, waiting for your next mistake I put in work and watch my status escalate Your cornballs get stonewalled, blackballed, I own y'all The veteran, running my plan, I'm the better man Crazy raw, doing my job like the mob Blazing y'all, and disappearing in the fog or a mist And chicks can't resist what I kick They be begging for attention on some more of the deals, Nick Word up, baby, someone may have to get hurt up, baby Shit is mad shady, but I got to get the gravy Platinum respect like the force of attack Keep you hitting the deck, feeling heat in your chest Banging your thoughts with the hot onslaught A kid got shot on the spot for going where he should not Viciously, I make history instantly Those other lame ass loser ass niggas, they can't fuck with me I'm doing my thing now, to lamp later on Paid me shit with some fly gators on But now I'm grimy as they get, mud on my pants and shirt I bet you niggas out here know, I be putting it work I'm gonna be on Tidop That's all my eyes can see, victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake I put in work, and watch my status escalate So am I right in thinking that you're left-handed? Um, I'm for kiting, yeah. I'm right-handed, but I pass from left to right, yeah. Ah, so how has that come about, do you think? And most people don't do that. No, was it a decision you I made? Have, no, I have the feeling that just happened to me. To be honest, like, I've done a lot of um, switch, and I feel I'm actually right Right, right to left. <laughs> I think I've been riding wrong my whole life. <laughs> but um, when I got to Kai Beach, the flat section is going left. And I saw like Dre like doing very little blinds and I really wanted to land blind uh, before I landed like, you know, uh, anything else. So I wanted to like my goal is to run a very little blind and meaning I had to come left foot forward into the little bay of Kai Beach and pass from left to right. So I just done that and I just kept going, but I'm pretty sure I'm right to left. <laughs> so yeah, my next question is, do you feel like it's given you any advantage or disadvantage? Sounds like it gave you an advantage at Kite Beach, but yeah, do you think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, do you think you might have found things a bit easier if you're doing it the other way? I think so, yeah. Like, because uh, I remember, you know, La Boca, it, it's better right foot forward, depending of the how the, the lagoon shape. But I remember I spent one month in the DR, and because the the left foot forward tack was so short, I could only go right foot. And it's the same in Kawipe, the same in Taiba. All of the good freestyle places are basically like right foot forward. So, um, I was like there for a month and I'm like, I cannot do anything to the left. So let me try to the right. And within a month I was landing like 
backside three one threes, uh, hard <laughs> like S bend passes, uh, back to blind eye passes, like all of those. I was landing switch. And I'm like, this feels so much easier. You should pursue that. But obviously, when I left there, I forgot it. <laughs> I'm still a left handed. <laughs> Very good. Um, let's talk a bit about boards. What are you riding at the moment, and what size? I'm riding a one three six focus, and I'm riding the hybrid because you know North Sky Boarding has the hybrid focus and the um, uh, carbon one, which is more like high end. But I've been always a fan of um, I'm like normal boards. I, I don't really like a lot of carbon on my boards. It's not as as soft as you think, but it's a little bit more forgiving. And there's something about the b bounce of the carbon that I don't know. I just I just prefer the the other ones. Fair enough. And you're on the pulse kites, presumably. Yeah, I'm on the pulse pulse kites. Yeah. What sizes have you been on mostly? Man, I love the ten. The 10 meter is by far my favorite size. And I don't know if it's because I never had it. You know, with Airrush, we always had 7, 9, 11, 13. But the moment I took that 10 poles, I'm like, this is my size. And these days, if I'm overpowered or underpowered on it, I just want to ride the 10. And I just work. I, I don't know what it is. It's my magic number. And I've been having so much fun on that. Nice, even number. Yeah. <laughs> So your last song is um, a Steve Angelo tune from John Florence's 2018 film Space. Um, why did you pick this one? You've already had one John one. Um, wh why did this one stand out? I know, like, because I, I saw him like, okay, I have two John ones, but I had other options to be more like... You know, uh, I would say politically correct. I'm like, ah, it would be boring if I put two John John stuff. Like, people don't want to see maybe two John John. Maybe I should show, show some variety. And I'm like, okay, but if I need to be honest, <laughs> I'm just addicted to, like, a lot of his videos. And I just wanted to show exactly how, like, I actually, you know, what I see and how I feel. So I'm like, this is how I feel. I want two John Johns in there. <laughs> And um, I just love that video. Like, you know, the one from from View, uh, View from a Blue Moon is something that, you know, it's a little older and something that really stuck to me. But this one is the one that gives me the goosebumps. When I watch this video, like, especially the intro, the, the guy, the voice of the person, like, talking and it starts to blend with the song and the action and all of those beautiful images of lava i literally got goosebumps and i'm ready to like take on the world like it motivates me so much if i need motivation for anything i start watching that intro and and the video and i get like fired up straight away You have to fix the mind before you can bestow the blessing because until they get their mind right, everything you invest in them is going to leak out of the crevices of a mind that refuses to change. Look at your neighbor and ask him, do you have a mind to change? Wait for an answer. If they said no, drag them to the altar. Tell them they got till midnight to get that fixed. 
They've got till midnight to dump out all jealousy, all pettiness, all unforgiveness, all strife, all malice, all confusion, all blaming other people for your mistake. You got till midnight to get rid of every poison that's hindering you, every inflexibility that's stopping you from what God is about to pour into your life. Woe be unto you if you go into another year and waste another year with the old mentality while somebody's in the hospital begging God for the opportunity that you have right now. You better step into this moment. Lay your hands on your head and say, give me a new mind. Give me a new mind means give me a new perspective. Give me a new perspective. Give me a new way of looking at my situation. Give me a new way of looking at my circumstances. Get my mind ready for this year because when I get this year, there's going to be blessings. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be opportunities. Oh yes, it's going to be some struggles. It's going to be some challenges. It's going to be some tests. But even the struggles are an opportunity for me to show off the victory if my mind can handle the change. to be blessed you have to decide to be blessed you have to decide you know what this is a day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad that I will rejoice let the past go and step over into the future Everything that's inflexible and everything that's not ready and everything that's backwards and everything that's negative and everything that's condescending and everything that's carnal and everything that's holding me back, I refuse to take it over into another year and waste another new year with an old mind. The devil is a lie. I will rejoice.
neighbor and say, you don't have to get out of trouble. Tell them, you don't have to get out of trouble before midnight. You just have to get your mind out of trouble. If you can get your mind out, you can get your money out. You can get your family out. You can get your job out. You can get your career out. You can get your health out. You can get your prosperity out. If you can get your mind out, no devil in hell, no weapon formed against you, no enemy that hates you, no witch that hexes you can stop you from being free. If you can get your mind out, grab yourself by the hand and say, we're coming out of here. When I first saw it, I remember being like, oh, this is a lengthy intro, and it's like, this is some serious anticipation and build-up. Like, he's got to drop something mad to justify this. And he, yeah, and he does, of course. <laughs> it's not usual that you see very, very, um, you know, high, um, high standings on a ranking type of athlete that is very also creative and you know has that feel for videos and things like that so i think john john like usually athletes can be very single-minded and very focused on training and that could go towards a more square type of personality and not so creative and not so flowy or you have the more free ride writers that you know they're great at at putting together a good movie and you know, the grabs and all of the style, but sometimes they miss like the very high end type of performance. And you have John John, which is, you know, number one in the world for a couple of years. I don't know if it was a couple of years, but you know, anyway, he's like, for me, one of the best surfers out there, but he has this creative part of him. You know, he loves to take photos and he's very visual so when you combine those two, that's, I think, when you have, like, this amazing videos that just, like, move you but doesn't let go in any way in performance. Cool. Is there, is there a part of you that's similar then? Are you, how hands-on are you when um, someone's filming? Do you give direction? You're like, I'm going to do this, so therefore you'd want to be, you, let's have the camera here and it can follow me to do this. Or do you sort of hand over to the videographer and you just ride? I mean, if it's a project for other people, I try not to interfere too much, but I always give like feedback, always, always. I'm like, I think if you're there, it's going to look nicer. If we catch like this bit on slow motion, we might get a little bit of water there. This angle might look good. But the moment like we start a project, I have a vision of how I want it to look. Like all of my videos, like from the beginning of my career, like were more than that. 
and the one we didn't cover at it, which it's my own video, but I forgot the name. um and there's others too like i always had a vision and i even wrote the the words that needed to be said the script and i wrote a few scripts for some of other videos that i did and i just really love it i i always have this and and i find it hard because i have this vision of how i wanted to look and when the you know every bit should be but i have a hard time communicating that to the editors or the videos video makers because it's, everyone has such different v- ways of interpret something but um yeah like if i can i'll be as hands-on as possible on a project which could, i think it could be annoying for the people that are working with me but when it does work like we get into amazing workflow like it, it works perfect i'm very critical when i'm filming and my writing so 90 percent of the time i don't feel like my level is up to filming standard. So I'm always trying to find like the best, best way I can be to like to get a good clip out. And most, and sometimes I even don't put like longer videos out in parts because I don't feel like my writing was good enough for it. So I think that those two, like some of the projects I did, I was really happy with because I felt like they kind of clicked, you know? That's in, yeah, and that's you're that's spoken like a true artist, really, never thinking anything's good enough, and therefore you try so much harder and you go to places where, you, you know, you wouldn't have gone if you hadn't gone, actually, no, that's not good enough, let's go and do that again. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, all right, so that's our five tunes. Um, thank you, firstly, for being, <laughs> for being um, honest and putting two john john videos in there i appreciate that because i think a lot of people there haven't been a lot of people come on this podcast yet but i think those that have i'm sensing like no one's picked an aaron hadlow video yet and i know for sure that tom bridge has watched all of them a lot of times <laughs> so why was that not in there tom bridge <laughs> and like for sam light i can understand why you might not pick an Aaron video because you know those two are close or whatever but yes I do think there is a bit of there's a bit of trickery going on with the 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 videos that are getting chosen so yeah I appreciate you just picking the ones that are truly your favorite that's cool thank you yeah I mean I'm such a video fan it was hard for me to pick them and I almost put a a Aaron too in there but I wasn't so keen like the the song didn't really like there were some some videos that I watched quite a lot, but the song didn't really resonate with me, you know? Like some of these like really take me somewhere or really remind me of something and or put me in a specific mood and and then yeah, I I chose those. Yeah, I don't envy um you guys having to do the the choices. I would find it hard to separate the video from the music because definitely there's some videos that i love that have just got shit tunes under and i'd be yes, so embarrassed to put yes. them in <laughs> i was like i was watching someone i'm like dude why did you pick this song this this part is perfect but not this song i'm, I'm not putting that song <laughs> fair <laughs> enough cool all right well bruno kajir thank you very much for coming on videos of influence has been great thank you it's been a pleasure
Well done. You've battled through an entire Videos of Influence podcast. You have outdone yourself. Now, as a little treat, why don't you just hit subscribe because I'm desperate for bloody subscribers and that. And uh, yeah, that means I'll make more money in the end and money's really what I'm all about. So if you could do that, that'd be great. doesn't cost you, does it? It's free. Free for you. Always will be. Not free for me, is it? I'm literally paying in my life to do this. I'd be doing it anyway, though, to be honest, wouldn't I? So yeah, not a great message, actually. Let's retake this one, Jason.